Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past week, Jason had the honor of preaching in the morning, and he's kind of going through the lessons our children have been in in our recent VBS. Our theme was the doors of the Bible for the children, and this past week he talked about the sheep door, and that's kind of based on John chapter 10. So Jason, let's walk through that, and then we're going to kind of peel off some questions and kind of go a little deeper in this lesson. Yeah, we. Um, how many doors have we walked through already this week, literally speaking, and uh, to hear a phrase like the sheep door, maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it is drawn out of John chapter 10, verse 7. We'll maybe talk uh, about the broader context here in a minute, but that's where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And this is not the first time that Jesus said, I am in the gospel of John. That's one of the real key phrases in that fourth gospel of our New Testaments. In chapter six of John, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Chapter eight, I am the light of the world. Later toward the end of John chapter eight, before Abraham was, I am. And here in John chapter 10, he says, I am the door of the sheep. He uses this figure of speech is the way that John describes it. And it comes right after an incredible miracle. John chapter 9, a man who had been born blind is healed. And there is a great deal of tension with some of the Pharisees. And even though we've got a big 10 at the beginning of what we call John chapter 10. Really, it appears to be just a continuation from chapter 9. Jesus says in John 10 verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the, she- or the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He talks a little bit about what life is like inside the sheepfold. By verse 6, we have people just not sure exactly what he's talking about. And so he begins to make it really clear in verse 7. I am the door of the sheep. In verse 10, uh, I am the good shepherd, or the beginning of verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand in John chapter 10. There have been so many mighty works, miracles, wonders, signs. But if someone is not willing to believe, accept, and live as if he is the Son of God, what he's communicating is you're on the outside looking in of what God is doing with his people. That's really the the gist of what we were talking about Sunday morning. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. To borrow from John chapter 10, verse 9, without him, we can't enter what God is doing. We're not saved. We're going to perish. But if we will go through him, there is the opportunity 
for abundant life. And this good sermon is is on our uh, website, and we encourage you to go back and listen to it. Lots and lots of good lessons in there. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions right off the bat. I, you know, make no apologies. I'm a city guy, born in the city, <laughs> lived in the city. Me too. Uh, I, I don't know much about country life. But a lot of times when we read this idea of shepherd and sheep, we think about Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We get this idea of the hills of Judea, and, and there's this, this sheep out in the pasture, and the shepherd is there. Um, where does the door fit in? And, you know, you know, I kind of think you just got this door out in the middle of a field. I mean, it just kind of, and so, so help us understand what was meant there. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this in the sermon and we especially talked with it, uh, about it to our, our kids during vacation Bible school was not uncommon. You can still see it archaeologically even today. Not uncommon for ancient cities to have on the outside of those city limits what was called called a sheepfold, and just think about a stone wall, maybe in the shape of a circle or a square, something like that, tall enough where a sheep isn't going to jump out of it, right? But not all that tall. You can still see sheepfolds all over this uh, world, particularly you see a lot of ruins of them in the Middle East or in Europe. Um, a, a stone wall, let's say in a circle with a relatively narrow opening, right? So that after a long day out in the fields, uh, the shepherd needs somewhere to rest, recharge. He would lead the sheep to that sheep fold. And it might be just one big area for all of the shepherds in the area to use. Think of like a corral in the old west of, of the United States. So, uh, the she- the shepherd would bring the sheep to that sheep fold. There would be a gatekeeper whose responsibility it was to make sure through the night, uh, those sheep are taken care of. The shepherd could go get some rest or if he's not anywhere near a city, maybe there's a sheepfold out in the middle of nowhere. There's not a gate. And so literally once the shepherd would get those sheep into the sheepfold, where is he going to lay? Where he, he's going to lay across that opening so that if some sort of a predator's trying to get in, he's got to go through the shepherd. If a sheep is trying to get out, he's got to go through the shepherd. In that most literal of senses, there's a place of safety. The sheep are in there. They're in a pen for the night, and he is literally serving as the door of protection for those sheep. That's that's just a great analogy, and it really helps us to see that and understand that. And so as we go back through this now in John 10 and start talking about some things, yeah. we'll see more clearly when Jesus says, I am the door, what he means by that. And that that's just going to be some great, great lessons for us. Well, let's begin, first of all, uh, and talk about the sheep. Okay. Because there's a zillion animals in God's creation. And we think about Noah and the ark and how he put all those animals on the ark. Uh, of all the animals... Why are we called sheep? I mean, I think if we had our choice, we'd say, call me a lion or, or call me an elephant or call me a gazelle that runs fast, but a sheep. Sheep. 
Why? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just off the top of our heads, when we think of sheep, um, you know, you go to a zoo. I, I don't even know that there are very many sheep exhibits at zoos. But if you do, I'm guessing there there's not a huge long line to sheep to see the sheep, right? Sheep are relatively harmless. They are helpless. They're docile. Uh, in our sermon, I, I just went to two passages, maybe to attach a couple of key words. First of them, Matthew chapter 9, 35 and 36. This is where Jesus has gone throughout all the cities and villages. He's doing a lot of teaching in synagogues. He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36 tells us when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So harassed and helpless. Those were two of the three words harassed as in easily bothered. Um, Roger, I've heard you dig into culturally and historically what it would have been like to be a shepherd. You've talked about how easily uh, bugs can get in the ears of sheep and irritate them. And obviously they are not equipped on their own to get those bugs out of their ear canals. But if you've ever had something fly in your ear, you know how harassed you instantly feel and helpless. I mean, a sheep is not going to survive in the wild very long at all on its own. The third word was from first Peter chapter two, where Peter talks about how people were straying like sheep prone to wonder, even in the presence of a shepherd, sheep are easily distracted, prone to wonder, not even realizing what sort of danger they're in. So why sheep? Harassed, helpless, straying animals. Absolutely. And sheep are dependent. They need that shepherd. They, yeah. You put them in the field and you walk away, well, they're going to go all directions. And, and that's something we see. Years ago, I was driving somewhere, and there was a field of buffalo. And so I pulled over because you don't see very many buffalo around here. And I, I was just amazed. And the guy had, the farmer had a sign up. It says, uh, be sure you can cross this field in nine seconds because Buffalo can in 10 seconds. <laughs> and, but, but you know, uh, in, in all my travels and all my driving, I've seen signs, beware of dog, beware. I've never seen a beware of sheep sign, yeah. never. Because they're, they're not that nature. That's, they're not going to attack you. And, and so they need someone to help them. And that, and that leads to this concept of the door that the shepherd would become. And so the purpose of the door is protection. Right. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, uh, now, now two, I think that really carries two thoughts. And I'll let you kind of expound upon that. One is that's how we get to God. Right. You can't get to God without going through Jesus. Uh, you can't say, well, you know, I'll skip Jesus. I'll just be straight with the Father. Can't do that. It's got to go through Jesus. But in the second way, Jesus protects us. Right. And let's just kind of grab that idea. How does he protect us and from what? Yeah, I mean, to build on your first point, that is straight out of John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why, Roger, you and I, and and I would encourage any disciple of Christ, uh, 
any religious system that would assign Jesus as simply a good teacher or even a prophet from God, um, that is not harmonizing with the truth of the New Testament. If a, a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or a, a, a someone of a Jewish faith or Muslim faith is is trying to get you to think about, well, I, I really think you ought to pay attention to the teaching of this religious organization or this, this religious group, this would be one of my biggest first things to try and talk with them about the very identity of Jesus, who he was. He is the one and only door. The one who was able to work these miracles says no one can come to the father except through me. Your second point was on protection. How does Jesus protect us. And one of the the immediate things that comes to my mind is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, where he asks, having listed all sorts of persecution and tribulation and all sorts of distress and various things that Christians in the first century and 21st century might go through, he asks, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Listen to this last phrase, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is not simply a historical figure. This is not just a historical account or a story that has, you know, roots in, in mythology or anything like that. This really happened. Jesus really lived. He really died. He was really raised. He really is present, active, ongoing tense, interceding for those who have passed through him as the door to now a reconciled relationship with God. That has to do with praying. We pray in Jesus's name. We gather together in Jesus's name. We look to Jesus as our king. We listen to him as the master teacher. We depend on him as our faithful guide. How does he protect us? Well, he's he's in heaven interceding for us, and he has told us, You're not greater than I am. A disciple is not above his teacher. But when you listen to me, you will be like me. You will become like your teacher. And he is leading us in those paths of righteousness that Psalm 23 talks so beautifully about. Absolutely. And, and, you know, back to that John 14 passage when it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One way he protects us from is air. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of ideas out there. All you got to do is start typing in a little bit on uh, <laughs> your Google, and you'll get 10,000 ideas. Well, what's right? What's wrong? Well, Jesus tells us. Jesus is the truth. And so he protects us from being led stray. He, he protects us from those who are not telling God's word as it should be. I think when you look at Matthew chapter 6, when 
at the end of uh, that chapter when Jesus is talking about do not be anxious or do not worry. Faith in Jesus protects us from worry, protects us from doubt. You know, all you got to do is turn on the nightly news and and you think chicken little, the sky's falling. You know, it's just everything's gloom and doom. And there are days you may think, well, I just shouldn't get out of bed today because everything's so bad. And faith in God. God's already in tomorrow, and God will take care of us. And so what Jesus protects us from is things like that. And so when we're in Jesus, we we have the peace of God, as Philippians talks about, that's, that guards our heart, and it guards us from error, it guards us from worry, it guards us from all the things that this world, without hope, it just falls apart on. And I think that's really helpful for us to see and appreciate. Yeah, and I think it even, Jesus, his inspired apostles warn us that sometimes there are wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Sheep do not devour one another, but a wolf has no problem devouring a sheep. Jesus' warning and instructions even frees us up to recognize, okay, not everyone who claims to be his disciple is. Jesus is training us even how to spot that. Absolutely. Well, back here in John 10, it there are, other than the sheep, which is kind of running through this, there are really three identities yeah. talked about here. And in, in verse 12 and 13, he talks about the hired hand or the hireling. And then in verse 10, he talks about the thief. And then the obvious one he mentions two times is the good shepherd. Yeah. And and let's talk about those three concepts, the, the hired hand, the hireling, the thief, and the good shepherd. And and see what we see in this passage here. Yeah, in, in verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This is the person who is just in it as a job, just in it for himself, what he can get. Sadly, there have been many who have served in a variety of capacities over the years who are simply in it for, we could say in modern vernacular, a paycheck, right? They just bounce around. If there's something that ruffles their feathers, they go. If, if, if they have ruffled feathers, they're, they're not in it for the long haul. Um, they, we've got all sorts of phrases in modern vernacular. We might say they don't have any skin in the game. Their heart isn't with the people. They're just there to do their job and, and move along. And so in tough times, in dangerous times, they're going to run. He, he's only caring about himself. Yeah. And because of that, then, you know, if it gets too hot, too intense, I'm out of there. Verse 13 continues that he flees because he's a hired hand. And he is not concerned about the sheep. Yeah. So he's not concerned about the sheep. All he's concerned about is himself. And he's going to do a very poor job because it's just a job. Now, back in verse 12, now, it's, it's not stated here, but, but we can put in what is the opposite of this. So the hired hand sees the wolf coming and leaves. 
what would the good shepherd do? Yeah. Well, I think of how David talks to Saul uh, about a thousand years before Jesus gives this illustration. David talks about being out in the field with his father's sheep and <laughs> grabbing a bear or a lion by his beard and snatching that sheep outright. He is invested. He cares everything for those sheep and is willing even to put his own well-being on, line, on the line for the defense of those sheep. That's it exactly. And so he, he, he'll he give life and limb because he cares about the sheep. That's yeah. just the opposite of verse 13. The hireling doesn't care. The shepherd really does. Yeah. Well, back up in verse 10, the thief. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. First of all, who is the thief and what's he after here? Yeah, well, I mean, from an animal point of view, a thief could be the wolf, right? Or the lion, the bear, into those sorts of scenarios. But Jesus even attaches this, it seems like in the context, to to a human being. Um, and so uh, we think of how Jesus describes the Pharisees, who Matthew chapter 23, he exposes how self-centered, self-willed they were, making uh, doubly a child of hell, right, by their actions, preventing good-hearted people from entering the kingdom of God. It's all about themselves. Um, Maybe the clearest example is just a page or two later in our Bibles when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and the Pharisees see the miracle, acknowledge the miracle, and say, We've got to kill Jesus. <laughs> I mean that that betrays their their darkened heart. It's not about other people. It's simply about protecting what they have and taking what they want. And, and I think the the expression here in verse ten really shows their motive. I mean, it's not like okay, I want to steal your car so I can have your car. Okay, I want to steal that sheep so I can have that sheep. The the wolf or the thief comes to steal and to kill yeah. and destroy. And so, you know, no one's going to benefit now because the sheep is dead. He has, he has killed this sheep. And so uh, his motive is, is destructive. His motive is dangerous. And he's identifying that that's who it is. You know, again, to what you said contextually, I think it's, it's talking about the false teachers. But on a grander scale, I think he's talking about the devil. Yeah. That's what the devil's after. He's yeah. trying, to, trying to steal, kill, and destroy our marriages, our congregations, but above all things, our souls. Now, when you think about these three, the hireling, the thief, and the good shepherd. Of course, the good shepherd here is Jesus. But we take those three and we put them in our culture today. What do you see, Jason? Wow. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? His counsel is just as valuable today as it was 2,000 years ago. And by God's design, he has called elders or pastors, overseers to follow his lead, right? He is the chief shepherd. You can go back and read how Peter describes himself and is writing to others as shepherds under the oversight of the chief shepherd. And so this is something that human beings need to learn, maybe not even in the context of a, a local church, but you mentioned families, marriages. We need shepherds as parents who are guiding their children in the way that is right. But Peter 
talks about in Second Peter chapter 3, there were false teachers in the days of Israel, there were false teachers in the first century, and there will continue to be false teachers, right, who are only willing and interested to fleece the sheep, take what they want. Ezekiel 34, I've heard you, Roger, go back to many, many times, describes people who would appear to be shepherds, but they are simply devouring the sheep. It is all all about them getting a following for themselves, making life comfortable for themselves. It is the very opposite of Jesus who laid down his life for the good of others. Here, here's, here's how I see this also. When, when we think about the hireling, the thief, and the good shepherd in our culture today, there are people out there today that want to hurt us. Yeah. They, they want to hurt us physically. Some people want to hurt us spiritually, mentally. This is a hard lesson for young people because when, when they grow up and, and as parents we've protected them and kind of sheltered their lives, they want to believe that everyone they run into is nice and decent. And not everyone is nice and decent. There are wicked people in the world. And, and that's the thief. And we got to realize that there are people who want to hurt us. There are some people who all they care about is themselves. Yeah. And, you know, selfish as they may be. And, you know, they could go out their way, but they won't go out their way. But in your life, you need to have those who are acting like a shepherd, like those who are going to put up all that they have to help you. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to lead you and guide you. And I think about the the true disciple of Jesus. That's that's how we're supposed to be. And so we, we need to see as, as we're running through life as fast as we are, that this is what we encounter. We encounter people, and they, we may even call them friends, but there may be friends who want to take advantage of us. There may be friends who are only selfish and want to get what they can from us. And then there's going to be that true friend. And he's going to stick with us and help us to get to heaven. Uh, great concept when we think about the hireling, the thief, and the good shepherd. Yeah. So this is Wednesday, and we are in the midst of our summer series here. And we would like to welcome and invite all of our listeners to come and be with us this evening at 7 o'clock. Our theme this summer for our summer series is Higher Ground. And this evening we have with us Chase Byers, who's from the Fishers Congregation on the north side of Indianapolis, is going to be with us. And his topic from that hymn, Higher Ground, is where doubts arise and fears dismay. And boy, that's something so true in our world today, doubts and fears. And we, we welcome him. We welcome all of our listeners to come and to listen to a great lesson from God's Word about this concept, about the higher ground that God calls us to. 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. We would love to have you. Roger, you're also scheduled to preach this Sunday morning. What do you have scheduled? When we think about heroes, you know, biblically we go to Hebrews 11, and there's a whole list of them. Uh, we may think about baseball's Cooperstown, the Hall of Fame, or we may think about Hollywood's Walk of Fame and all those stars on those sidewalks. Uh, there's an interesting passage in the book of Ezekiel where God pulls up three righteous names and uses that for illustration about righteousness. And so we're going to talk about these three and the subject of righteousness. Excellent. This Sunday evening, it's a fifth Sunday of the month. That happens just a few times a year. And our practice here at Charlestown Road is to have a song service Sunday evening. We're planning on that and are just going to be bouncing off of our summer series theme, Higher Ground. We're going to be singing songs of Zion, picturing ourselves as pilgrims 
comes on the way to this higher ground. That is a rich thread in so many of our hymns. Zion is our home. Zion is the dwelling place of God. I fully believe it's going to be a really encouraging theme this Sunday evening at 5 o'clock p.m. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. for our summer series. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 